but we know it's definitely kind of over a thousand individuals who who walked the relay what we were saying was that we were walking as an act of faith and we wanted people to have something really tangible to like get involved with where you're saying hey like let's shout about climate justice and people might say well how do i do that actually yeah being able to physically and welcome to the Together podcast. It's a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. I'm Anna and today I'm joined by Sandeep and Adam. Now I wanted to ask you guys if you could make your own fruit juice what would you put in it? That is such a great question. Oh my gosh I like this question what we've started off with. Okay if it was a juice I'd probably go pineapple, mango and strawberry. If it was smoothie I'd go strawberry, blueberry, yogurt maybe apricot yogurt actually and then apple pear oh I just, put so just much every in fruit every fruit would go in every fruit i think i'm the same like every I would, fruit. Uh, I'm, I'm into tropical like fruit juice or whatever so yeah anything anything yeah. from that can remind me of somewhere warmer than it is in the uk at the moment then. the reason i ask yeah. is because i have this juice by me which has orange carrot mandarin lemon ginger and vitamins carrot. So I'm sad that none of you guys oh, said wow. anything like spirulina or like spinach. No. You did ask us for a fruit juice. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> yes. assuming that we could have spinach or carrot because neither <laughs> of those are fruits. <laughs> oh, That's no true. one likes a rule keeper. <laughs> yeah. I'm joking. I make my own rules. Thank you guys for your answers. In this episode, we have some great content coming out. We'll be hearing from Sarah and Chris from the Young Christian Climate Network. They talked to us about their relay to COP26 in November 2021, organising together for climate action and how that links to their faith in Jesus. But before we hear from them, it's time for our link up section. This is where we link up the intersection of faith and justice and hear from one of you or someone new. So welcome everyone. We have a new guest on today that we're really excited about, Leah. Leah, do you want to introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, so hello, my name's Leah. I'm 20 years old and I'm at university in Wales. Mm. I like beaches. I don't know why that's my like go-to thing to share, but yeah. No, that's fine. I went to uni in Brighton, so I miss the beach there. The canals in London just aren't really like the same thing. Adam, do you have a fascination no. with beaches? Are you more of a yeah. land? I'm from I'm from that like south coast area, like near Brighton. Um, so yeah, those those kinds of beaches uh, uh, feel at home in those. I don't live there now though, so I, I live like. What is it like going to uni in Wales? Any favourite things about it? I was about to say beaches again. <laughs> It's a fascination for me because I've never lived close to a beach and I discovered the beauty of the British beach last year. So I think for me that is a genuine highlight. I also love like there's so many parks and nice places to walk and people are so much friendlier here in Wales than they are down in Reading where I'm from. Like people smile at you when you walk down the street. It's amazing. We have a couple of questions for you before we chat to you about some of the exciting things you've been involved in with We Are Tear Fund. I just wanted to ask you a couple of things. So these are quick fire, either or choices. Some of them do involve you think you have a choice, but just quick answers. First thing that springs to mind. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So do you prefer texting or talking? Talking. Next question. Would you rather speak every language or talk to animals? Speak every language. Would you rather be invisible or have super strength? Invisible. Would you rather see a sunrise or a sunset? Sunrise, because I'm never awake for them, so I, I've never actually seen one. Last two questions. What is your favourite number? Four. Four. Oh, no. No. No? No, that's the wrong answer. It's eight. It's not four. <laughs> it's eight. How did that happen? What happened there? <laughs> because I think of numbers, eight is just two fours. And so when I think of the number eight, I'm actually thinking of fours, but eight is my favourite number. Right. There's some, there's some psychology to dig into there. I'm not, I'm not sure who, who taught you about. Yeah, yeah. And then last controversial question. Is double dipping at a party acceptable? No. I would agree on that one. Adam? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's... Well, especially now, I feel like maybe there, there might have been a debate about it two, two three years ago, but I, I don't think that's happening anymore. Oh yeah, staying current, COVID. Well, thank you, Leah, for that. Very interesting opinions. I hope that your maths teacher heard that so they can see about how you now count numbers and look at things. But yeah, Adam, do you want to take us to the kind of big reveal of what we want to find out from Leah? 
Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into some more deep questions. Yeah, we're just talking about um, the Emerging Influencers course because we've got a new round of the course coming up. When did you do it, by the way? When when did you take the course? It's very difficult to date things in this kind yeah. of coronavirus-y time, I find. like. It was, I think it was about this time last year. Cool. Roughly. Yeah, so can you just give us an overview of what um, the Emerging Influencers program is? It's great, first of all. It's a social justice and theology course for, I think it's 16, is it 16 to 23 year olds? Yeah. Look at this, tier fun knowledge. And it is great. You learn all about utilising your influence, the biblical foundations for justice, and just how to really maximise your influence with the people around you to enact like positive social change what was the part that you kind of enjoyed the most about it as well oh how long do we have honestly i could talk about this for hours i loved all of it it was so interesting i study human geography at uni so i often thinking and reading about justice and kind of like theoretical justice it was amazing for me to see how my faith and my passion for justice could actually link up together and actually there's such a strong biblical foundation for our social justice movements so like for example the climate activism i was able to actually see practically how my faith can really help me in the way that i'm pursuing that justice if there's anybody listening right now that's thinking about signing up would you give them like three points as to why they should sign up what are they gonna kind of learn what are they gonna take out of it oh three points firstly it's just really fun it was honestly one of the highlights of my year last year because you're learning new stuff all the time and it really makes you think um number two you meet really interesting people one of my absolute he's now one of my best best mates I got to know him so much better through the course and we ended up doing our fundraising together and he is now genuinely one of my favourite people. And then I think it really helped me grow in my faith because it was taking a passion that I had and really showing me how actually my faith is so... That is motivated by my faith. And so after the sessions, I would then really be thinking and praying it through. And so it really helped me get deeper in my relationship with God. So that's definitely a reason to do it if the other two are not. <laughs> so you you mentioned on that, like the kind of um, social side of it and getting to know all these new people and people who are young Christians and have this kind of passion for justice. But I think it's worth noting as well that it kind of doesn't all just end when the course kind of ends. The course is only what, six or seven weeks. Yeah. But there's there's a whole community of, of you guys, of, of past kind of alumni around. Have you been involved in any of that kind of stuff? What can you what can you say about that? Yeah, so there's the alumni network and it's brilliant because otherwise it would be quite an abrupt ending because you're learning all of this stuff and you're really inspired and passionate and Tearfund continues to support you. So we have these meetups, like they're virtual at the moment. I mean, hopefully one day they might be in person where we talk and learn about other issues of justice or spotlight specific current issues so it's really helping take that take what you've learned and apply it to the constantly changing justice issues in our world um, and also just building each other up and praying for each other and it's really cool because we you're meeting with these like-minded individuals and then you get the opportunity to sit and pray with them and people join from all over the world and it's really inspiring and it motivates you to keep going in your pursuit, in our collective pursuit for justice. Perfect. Thank you very much. For I think that's all the questions I've got. Yeah, that's super cool, Leah. Thanks so much for sharing that. I actually do have an extra question. When it comes to fundraising, I feel like sometimes people can be like, oh, I really don't want to do that. That's going to take so much time. Or like, I don't even know how to fundraise. Did you have any of those questions or how did you find the fundraising aspect of it? It was the biggest thing that put me off applying because I was like, oh, I cannot fundraise. That's like, I can't run a marathon. Like I've, I kind of in my head was, I looked at the people I knew who had fundraised before and I thought I can't do that I'm not I'm busy I'm a poor student so I can't really donate the money myself because that was kind of my like oh, I, I suppose I could just give the money but then I didn't have the money I don't have any particularly impressive talent and I don't know that many people so it was quite daunting but my mentor Sarah was really good at encouraging me and building me up we would sit and brainstorm ideas and actually do you know what it was really one of the highlights of the course because I came up with the idea. We ended up like getting media coverage. Me and my friend Yuan, he did wow. it together. We ended up on the front cover of the Cardiff tab, which is if you're a uni student, you know that that's kind of a big deal. Claim to fame. Yeah, what can I say? 
And we ended up raising over £5,000 for Tear Fund, which was like huge and incredible. And it was just, it was actually quite emotional because we got lots of people around the world helping us out doing our challenge. And yeah, it was just amazing to be part of this community, all wanting to make the world a better place. I'm glad I asked the question. £5,000, that's insane. And being on the Cardiff tab. I mean, I don't know which one I think is cooler. I think the Cardiff tab takes the cake, personally. Yeah. <laughs> the kind of, like, newspaper snippet you can you can send to your, like, elder relatives and they'll, like, keep it in, like, a little envelope for years and years and then... Oh, 100%. So ours was a walking challenge. So we set ourselves the goal of walking the borders of Yemen to highlight the Yemen crisis. And actually, it was amazing because... I got so much fitter because I was making sure I was walking lots, but also it like benefited my mental health, it benefited others' mental health. And we got our friends and families and our wider communities to also walk. And so many people came back to us and said, actually that challenge sparked a new love or reignited a love for exercise and being active. So aside from raising the money, which was amazing, it was also really cool to see that actually that had had a lasting impact on people's lives especially with all the coronavirus stuff it meant people were getting outside and not being alone yeah that's really cool and I think walking a similar path to someone else although it's not the same in different nations it does make you really think about it and try and what would it be like in their shoes and how you want to do it so it's it's really cool to see the fruit of all of that especially when I think I would be similar like oh I don't want to fundraise but actually it's like really cool that that was on the other side of that We actually do have a sneaky reason why we're talking about the Emerging Influencers Programme. We have another course starting again this February the 7th. The deadline to apply is Sunday the 6th of February. You'll have learning sessions, mentoring and a chance to fundraise. We cover really cool topics such as biblical justice and development, activism, entrepreneurship, racial justice, leadership and prayer. So if you want to sign up, please check out our website wearetearfund.org or our Instagram at wearetearfund and you'll find all the links there. Yeah, awesome. And also on our Instagram, you could send us a message. If you've got questions that you want to submit of your own, you can head over there and just um, send us a DM or on Twitter at the same uh, handle. That's at We Are Tier Fund. Yeah, or you could um, leave us a voicemail over on our website as well. Um, that's again, wearetearfund.org. And yeah, send any questions or share any thoughts that you'd, you'd like to share with the rest of the podcast audience thank you awesome and yeah Leah it's been such a delight having you thank you for all of your wisdom and sharing your experience of the Emerging Influencers program and yeah some really cool stories as well thank you for agreeing that we should not double dip at a party but yeah any final thoughts before we go thank you so much for having me and I suppose my final thought is if you're thinking about applying just do it it's so much fun and you won't regret it amazing thank you now it's time for our next section, the plug-in. Right guys, so today we have got a big topic that we're going to be discussing today and it's some latest news that's happened recently and it's about oil spills. So uh, last week, like end of January, there was a massive oil spill uh, from a ruptured Ecuador pipeline and this was in the Amazon rainforest um, and basically essentially sprayed out crude oil which has endangered indigenous communities in Ecuador. It's uh, People have said that actually more than 60,000 people use the water from the river where it's actually burst onto and kind of leaked. And so, you know, 60,000 people depend on that river for water. And now that water's got all this oil in it. It's it's awful. It was apparently caused by a rock slide. But a campaigner has said the oil industry has only brought us death and destruction. There's a lot of uproar about this because it's not the first time this has happened. Also happened in April 2020 where there was another oil spill. So, guys, what have you guys heard about that as well? I think probably the biggest thing is that I don't think I had heard about it before we were talking about it um, for this podcast. Like, I don't think I had heard anything about it. And I think either that shows that we in the comfortable, economically richer nations just either aren't paying attention or that it's happening so often that you can't pay attention because there's a new one of these things every week or every month or whatever. I think it just it goes to show not only, you know, the the impact of then burning this crude oil or making it into plastics which pollute everywhere but actually the process of 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 extracting it from these places is is in itself you know unsafe it's happened again and again from like exxon valdez all the way up to like the gulf bill like last year there's 
it's always happening so and and at the end of the day they get a some kind of fine and then they carry on doing it yeah. so yeah i think there needs to be more accountability basically doesn't there yeah i think for me it's that it's become quite normalized so i also this was like newer when we discussed it but i think the idea of there being an oil spill and that just like causing environmental devastation is something that's become quite normal because i've like grown up on it but actually it's like really dangerous that we normalize it because why are we letting oil companies get away with it over twenty-seven thousand Kichwa indigenous people who are living down river still suffer the impacts of an oil spill in april 2020 and then this is another one with more than sixty thousand, depending on the water from that river and also like i read recently that again in the last week in thailand there's also been another oil spill which 50 litres of oil has gone into the ocean affecting a beach there and it's just the fact that this is tons and tons of oil that we're just that has just become a normal reality that it's okay to do that so I think it's well like we need to keep going but it's cool that there's campaigners and indigenous people are protesting asking for like financial compensation for this damage because damaging the environment is damage and it's costly and we need to be able to like speak the same language as oil companies and say okay you want to like receive and gain more money from drilling well then you've also got to know that like it comes with a financial cost but yeah I think after what you were saying Adam it's just the fact that I've normalized it when it isn't okay that it's happening and there was actually one campaigner said that the spills have actually become a part of their daily life and they live with the contamination for decades like it's something that is evidently from people that are campaigning on behalf of these people they're saying that it's literally part of the debt that's not okay do you know what i mean it's like there's a, a lack of the value to human life that's going on here which is the bigger issue actually with this it impacts them for for like a decade as yeah. well like you know even us but like the whole the whole like media this is going to get talked about for like a week a month and then mm. you know in 10 years people aren't going to be talking about this oil spill well in in our country probably aren't going to be talking about this oil spill happening and remembering this oil spill because they're just so common and they happen all the time mm. and often in like the climate crisis they talk about although we're protesting like in the west we're not on the front lines and i think it's the fact that like indigenous people in this example like are on the front lines facing the devastation the contamination and they were the ones who were like the first to protest about it and it's cool that there has been progress that like some oil companies haven't been like haven't drilled in fragile environments like shell bp in total although like they are in other places but like indigenous communities resistance has forced companies to pull out but i just like even think about cop 26 it was indigenous people often that weren't invited into the decision making tables and that doesn't make sense so we need to like keep creating awareness and talking about this so that like those who are campaigning and understand the injustice are actually the ones who are able to like put the policy changes in as well absolutely and it just it's like it seems like it should be a no-brainer that actually if there's a group of people that have been affected by something we give them platform to voice what's going on and the reality of what they're Mm. living but yet that just seems like such a struggle for humanity to do (laughs) it doesn't it like like even what you said about like cop 26 and people not even being brought to the table to be in those discussions and it's like but these are the people that are directly affected by the things that these policies are meant to bring change to help like it's just it should be a no-brainer but it's not and that's the injustice that's the frustrating bit yeah i guess i guess maybe like the the not that there's a silver line like this is obviously a, a, a negative news story but to to look to places where this kind of campaigning has had an impact for example in america biden the president biden recently at least delayed or said that he what he wasn't going to carry forward a plan to build um, I think it's the Keystone XL pipeline. Um, and that's basically, you know, a load of campaigning that was spearheaded by um, indigenous American communities. Um, and even here in the UK, you know, people have been campaigning in like the Stop Cambo campaign to stop um, oil companies drilling, looking for oil in um, the North Sea. So I think that there is stuff happening at a grass grassroots level that um, is is really good. It's just a shame that maybe they're not then being represented at these big events like COP. Moving on, we've got an interview now where we'll be hearing from Sarah and Chris from YCCN, the Young Christian Climate Network. So, hi everyone. Right now I'm joined with YCCN, the Young Christian Climate Network, but specifically Sarah and Chris, which is really exciting. We've we've met for the first time on Zoom. But yeah, Sarah and Chris, do you want to share a bit about you personally and then one of you can go for it in terms of, yeah, YCCN and how it started? Yeah, sure. 
So I'm Chris. Um, at the moment, I work down at um, Exeter Uni. And yeah, I sort of, I've been involved uh, with the Young Christian Climate Network over the past year, kind of organising events down in Exeter when they happened, and also organising some of the press and media coverage for um, the Young Christian Climate Network. Great, yeah, and I'm Sarah. Um, I live in Manchester. I work for a project um, with young people looking at how science and faith are compatible. So that takes up kind of most of my time. Um, But yeah, similar to Chris, got involved with Young Christian Climate Network about a year and a half ago, probably. And yeah, have been part of the team looking at the Relay to COP26. Um, So just to tell you a bit about YCCN, it's the Young Christian Climate Network um, that was formed during the pandemic in 2020. Uh, We're an action-focused community of 18 to 30-year-olds all over the UK. And what really brings us together is our pursuit of Jesus and looking for climate justice as we do that and as we follow Jesus in that. Um, And so, yeah, that's through kind of campaigning um, and particularly around COP26 this last year. But we also, yeah, want to be part of a community of like-minded individuals as well. That's so cool, a pandemic baby. I feel like, yeah, it's one of the good things about the pandemic and what's happened. So did you guys all meet each other online? You've just been organising like through emails and things or what's it look like to be part of the start of something that's completely in a socially distanced world? You're right, um, Anna, and most of us first met each other online. Um, I initially um, found out about the Young Christian Climate Network through Twitter one day when I was getting distracted from some work that I should have been doing. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it was really inspiring to just to meet other people who who cared about God's world, who wanted to follow Jesus in pursuit of climate justice. And yeah, we had as much fun as you can over Zoom, kind of getting to know each other and organising things. Uh, And yeah, and then we ended up organising this this relay, which I I guess was kind of like a pilgrimage from uh, the G7 summit when that happened uh, back in June in Cornwall, where all the world leaders met up there to talk about important things, including climate change, all the way up to Glasgow, where they had the international climate negotiations up there a few weeks um, ago. So, yeah, it's been an adventure. Yeah, Zoom has absolutely been such a blessing to ICCN as much as everyone got so sick of all those Zoom meetings in the lockdowns. It meant that we were able to come together as a community, um, even though we were many miles apart. And so, Chris, I'm sure you had the same experience of when the relay started um, and going to walk some of this pilgrimage. Actually, such a highlight was meeting people in real life that we'd spent a year on like hours and hours of Zoom calls with but had never met in real life, um, which was, yeah, like slightly awkward at first, obviously, but but really amazing to have those in-person friendships and really be building that community. Yeah, it was great to meet you, Sarah, and realise that you are an actual person that exists when (laughs) I saw you up in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. and like I'm quite tall and so many people are like, wow, never realised you're really tall. I also find that um, like people's heads look different. On 3D, it feels like I know their head and what it looks like. And then when I see it connected to a body, I'm just like, that doesn't make sense. And I'm sure in like two years, people listening to this are just going to be like, what are you guys talking about? But yeah, it was such a mood, like it really did happen. So what parts of the walk did you guys go on for the, yeah, for the relay? So I, um, yeah, I live in Manchester. So as the relay um, had one of its residencies, so we had 10 cities where the relay would kind of stop off for a few days and there'd be various events happening to try and raise a bit of awareness. Um, And so I joined in with that as it got to my home city, um, which was great to be meeting with all kinds of different people who were interested in what it was that we were doing. Um, And then I walked a couple of days out towards Leeds on the next section. Um, And I enjoyed that so much that I was like, I want to do more of this relay. Um, And so, yeah, I went to do the last week um, between Edinburgh and Glasgow. So that kind of final section, which was amazing to do. And yeah, there was kind of 10 of us from YCCN who did that whole week together in lots and lots of rain in Scotland. But um, but it was an amazing week and such a special experience to do together. How about you, Chris? Well, I feel like I got a better deal than you, Sarah, and I didn't have to walk through all that rain um (laughs) up in scotland (laughs) but um yeah so i just walked a short section near exeter 
where I live at the moment. We walked from a little village uh, called Dunsford out on the edge of Dartsmoor and then into Exeter with a, with a few people. Yeah, and then I was involved in kind of organising some of the events that happened in Exeter, at the cathedral, at the Devon County Show. Some people have done more of the pilgrimage than others, but there's been lots of people involved um, behind the scenes in different ways. Yeah, the way that you all have just organised yourselves in terms of getting into different teams and like the fact that it's been, le- what, less than like two years, it's a pandemic thing, but you've managed to like infiltrate and like encourage action in churches and charities across the UK. Yeah, I think you guys have a lot to like celebrate and be really, yeah, a lot of people are really impressed in you. I know that like part of, yeah, part of your vision is building that collective action for climate justice. So what were your asks for like COP26? What were you saying that you guys wanted to achieve? And I guess, yeah, since COP26 happened, yeah, what are you looking to do in the future? Mm, great question. Chris, do you want to start off? Maybe we can tag team a little bit. Yeah, um, sure. So one of the um, things we were asking for um, so was um, a promise that um, world leaders made back in 2009. So in 2009, world leaders promised that they would provide um, $100 billion a year to countries that are particularly affected by climate change so that they can use that money to help lower their emissions by you know, investing in renewable energy and that kind of thing, and also to help them with adjusting to the impacts of climate change. And that wasn't delivered on. Basically, world leaders didn't keep that promise. And so one of our asks during the campaign was that world leaders at the climate talks in Glasgow would keep their promise and (laughs) deliver the $100 billion Mm. a year in climate finance is what it's called. So that was one of them. Yeah. Another one um, was that the foreign aid budget um, that was decreased earlier this year. Um, the government voted that um, that we would decrease that budget. And so we were asking that that would be at least reinstated um, to what it was before, if not increased on, um, as Chris said, all part of trying to um, resource developing countries in particular that are really struggling with the impacts of climate change um, on their, yeah, their countries and kind of industries there. Um, and so, yeah, we wanted to see that that aid budget being um, increased. Mm. And how do you feel now, yeah, that COP26 has ended? Was it straight after the relay, you guys are just like, okay, I need to take a break for two weeks? Was it like, yes, come on, we've done so much change, let's keep going? Chris didn't take a break after the end of the relay at all. Um, so, yeah, you can talk about that. <laughs> wow. why don't you go first Sarah because we probably both had quite different experiences because I stayed on a bit longer Mm. at COP didn't I so yeah so I yeah finished finished the relay as we got into Glasgow um, and we had this amazing kind of um, well it wasn't an opening service it was a closing service a welcome to Glasgow service um, that was really quite emotional Um, I think we hadn't really anticipated that whole day of actually arriving in the city being a really quite overwhelming experience and it was amazing that we mm. we joined with four or five other pilgrimages that had all been on this journey to Glasgow um, from loads of different places including some guys that had walked from Sweden all the way to Glasgow and it taken them like 200 days which wow yeah major effort there but yeah we we walked this kind of final two or three miles with literally hundreds of other people um who were all there because they were motivated by faith to be responding to to this call for climate justice and so yeah the whole day was just amazing and i spent the last week walking and was really tired because i hadn't had much sleep on all the church hall floors that we'd slept on yeah it's no. not fun one church <laughs> very slidey kind of go to sleep in one place and wake up in another <laughs> Yeah, kind of getting the train back home and then kind of watching the negotiations start those next few days was quite a weird experience. Um, and I found it quite difficult actually to be not totally consumed by just trying to keep track of what was going on. And yeah, finding it quite, quite disappointing, quite like anxiety inducing, to be honest. Yeah, just a huge emotional roller coaster to go from this amazing experience of finishing the relay to then be like, oh, now what we're actually being campaigning for may or may not happen and let's see it all unfold Mm. so yeah it was quite a a strange experience really but Chris you were in Glasgow so why don't you talk about that a bit yeah so at the beginning of the 
COP26 climate negotiations, I came up on the train to Glasgow and I met up with Sarah and the others and we joined in with the other pilgrimages that had gone to COP, had had this march together and a kind of closing service. So that, as Sarah was saying, that was an amazing thing to be part of. But the, the difference with me is that I then stayed on for the first week um, and uh, some of us who were part of the Young Christian Climate Network were invited to be um, what's called a, a UN observer at a big climate negotiation like they've just had some, um, you know, faith groups and uh, charities and campaign groups are invited to, to watch the negotiations. So I, um, I was I had the sort of amazing opportunity to, to actually go in and see them, um, you know, talking to each other, working out what was going to go in the final agreement and what wasn't, um, and also to take part in a lot of the kind of big marches that happened in Glasgow. I mean, they had 100,000 people, um, you know, walking through the streets and protesting on the Saturday on the middle weekend. Yeah, so that was an extraordinary thing to see. I guess the thing that hit me most was just hearing stories of people who whose lives were being affected by climate change right now. So, you know, I, I was talking to some other climate activists, you know, that he'd lost family through flooding in typhoons. Uh, there was a pastor in our group who grandparents had had to flee from wildfires four years in a row so like this is not just the thing that happens once a year but like Mm. every year and comparing that with what was going on inside the negotiations was quite emotionally difficult because often the negotiations themselves felt a bit like a kind of trade show if you know what I mean people kind of swapping details and it didn't get the feeling that there was a real kind of urgency to what was going on but I did, it was amazing and inspiring just to see sort of out on the fringes of what was going on, what people were doing. The, all of the activists were in, united in calling for more change, both within the Christian community and amongst other faith groups. And also within the negotiations themselves, it was often countries that negotiators from countries that are being most affected by climate change at the moment that were really trying to push the agenda forward who are saying look look world you need to wake up to this <laughs> mm. you need to do something about it so yeah it was a it was a mixed bag <laughs> i guess like justice in general but especially the climate crisis it's that it holds so much grief and anxiety at the same time it's like this wish for like yeah, and the desire for hopeful action and really seeing change happen. And because it is a crisis that's going to affect all of us and already is, and is something that's going to get worse and worse, it really does have ra- like ramifications on every level and multiplies things. So I think, yeah, for you guys to be in the thick of it as well, like thanks so much for sharing your experience of it and the emotions that came with that. Something that I have noticed with the climate is that there's this tension between the world leaders and like a focus on temperature and a focus on needing to make decisions, cut fossil fuels, kind of more of the science behind it. Yet when we like listen to the global majority, it's all about like family and friends and like the stories that they're telling of like this happening. So yeah, a bit on the spot question, but just for like the future, how how do we hold both of those together and make sure that we really are authentically like representing what's going on and really like speaking out the change that needs to happen that is urgent rather than kind of yeah believing like leaders and getting complacent about it like what what would you encourage other young people to be saying and doing I think you're totally right that actually those individual stories um maybe even if they're not people that we actually know but just that we hear of um that are being really directly impacted for me is such a a motivation is the wrong word but just I guess keeping focused on what it is that we're actually trying to do um, and as much as it feels like taking individual action or being part of a campaign as an individual can feel so insignificant and we totally recognise that actually world leaders are the ones that hold the power and the most influence to be making decisions that will have a real impact and be a part of the the relay was asking world leaders to be waking up to that responsibility I think for me sometimes thinking well I'm an individual and I've heard a story about an individual in country that's being really impacted 
then maybe my actions as just me could have an impact on that one person and that can be a helpful thing just to keep going where actually yeah that kind of pursuit of justice campaigning can be really tiring and a little bit deflating when perhaps things don't go as we hoped they would um that can be a helpful thing for me in the week or so after i got back from cop 26 i came across this um quote that that augustine famous theologian is supposed to have said um we don't really know who said it um, and it's it says that, that hope has two beautiful daughters anger at you know the way things are and the courage to see that things do not remain as they are and when i when i heard that i came across that quote i thought yeah what a great <laughs> what a great way of kind of summarizing where you can kind of find hope from as a, as a christian because Often, you know, you look at, you know, what went on, you know, often it can be very frustrating when you when you just look at the kind of facts on the ground. And we should be angry at that. We should rightly be frustrated, you know, because that shows that we care about the world that God has made and then we care about um, our neighbours around the world. But, you know, we can't remain just being angry about these things. And, and actually, we can take courage from knowing that, you know, God made this world and will remain and is faithful to it and we can take courage in the fact that god is someone who and jesus is someone who always um upholds the cause of people who are, are struggling in some sort of way and yeah i found that i found that really helpful for kind of processing what had gone on at, um cop 26 mm. Thank you both for sharing that. And so you kind of touched on it a bit, but yeah, like you guys are different because you are a faith filled. The action that you're doing is rooted in your faith and is built on the belief about God and his care for creation. So I'd love to just hear a bit more about for each of you what that means. And yeah, even if like has your faith changed in the last year, two years from being part of YCCN? What's changed for me over the last couple of years is that I've I've gone from seeing kind of I guess if environmental issues or climate changes being kind of something that I'm I'm just just kind of interested in or or care about to seeing as it being part of worship as a Christian. I guess that you know if we believe that Jesus created this world and sustains it and will will redeem it then our our love for our creator should motivate us to to look after everything in the creation and to and to love mercy and to act justly and yeah that's been something that has changed how i kind of view this issue and i hope that yeah more people would be able to see that um as well that it's not just something that people who for kind of environmentalists but that everyone can can care about if they are following jesus yeah, I'd say I've had a similar experience of, I guess, as my interest in kind of environmental issues um, and thinking about climate justice has come uh, more and more central to, yeah, to kind of my beliefs and what I'm interested in. I suppose what's what's central to my faith is that Jesus came and, and lived and died and rose again so that I could be in relationship with God and be reconciled to him. I believe that God actually invites us to be part of that that kind of reconciliation plan for all creation. And as important as it is to be, you know, evangelizing, telling others about Jesus so that they can be reconciled to God. Actually, if that's for all of creation, it's about bringing God's whole creation back to him and be part of that kind of restoring order. And and yeah, kind of as Chris touched on that, if all things were, were created through and for Jesus, um, and if Jesus came so that all things would be restored, then then that has to go beyond just just evangelizing, and um, it has to be part of yeah, bringing bringing all of God's creation back to Him, and that that should be a central part of of our faith for all of us. I think not just this kind of, I guess like extra add-on for people who might be a bit keen about like recycling and ethical fashion and all of that kind of stuff but actually yeah this is for all of us to get um engaged with and involved with mm. 
Yeah, I think that's a challenging thing sometimes in churches is you can be put in like the social justice box or like, oh, you're the environmental one. So you'll be the ones who like after the church service are like really petitioning for like recycled coffee cups or something. Or you're the ones asking your like church to speak more about it and kind of can be like a side thing. But actually, I think what you guys are really representing is that like faith like righteousness and justice are both part of jesus throne like it isn't just like mission it's also yeah living out the cause to like protect the vulnerable and yeah really like care for the poor and what that looks like and really like speak out about injustice and saying that that's not okay and that's not part of god's plan i think yeah that's like what i really see in what you've been doing what you've been sharing is like really yeah trailblazing and really trying to like speak that out again and again even if it feels like it's tiring and sometimes it doesn't come with a lot of reward and yeah, I just want to touch on as well that so like the pilgrimage or like relay that you went on often, we yeah, we do see people in the Bible like go on these journeys for God. And something that I've been thinking about recently is about like the need for stamina. Like, yeah, we're going for justice, but it's not just like short term changes, like the stamina to live a life that's full of justice. So, yeah, as you were walking and as you have been keeping on going with YCCN and kind of making this into like a bigger movement, how, how does faith come into finding that stamina into yeah and bringing people together for the journey? Yeah, I think what was amazing about the relay is there was about 128 days that were walked and we're still trying to figure out quite how many people um, walked, but we know it's definitely kind of over a thousand individuals who, who walked the relay and a real part of, kind incredible. of what we were saying was that we were walking as an act of faith and we wanted people to have something really tangible to like get involved with where you're saying, hey, like let's shout about climate justice and people might say, well, how do I do that? Actually, yeah, being able to physically do something um, um, we found was really helpful and those conversations along the way walking those miles were were an amazing opportunity to be encouraging one another I think um, and hearing from people that I never met before um, and some of them I probably never will meet again hearing what each of those people were doing in their own communities whether it was a tiny little thing like maybe yeah not having paper cups for their coffee at church or whether actually they've been doing this for years. Um, and part of the joy of the relay was that actually loads of older Christians got involved, um, even though it was called the Young Christian Climate Network Relay. Um, we were so blessed by those kind of generations that have gone before um, and have been doing this for years and shouting about this for years um, that have such amazing examples of, yeah, just just keeping going on um, on this fight for justice and whatever issues it is um, that they're, they're shouting about and standing up against. Um, yeah, learning from them was an amazing opportunity to, to yeah, just be encouraged. Um, and yeah, they were, they were just great to have conversations with and see that, yeah, although maybe their seasons are feeling a bit tired, that, um, that having that, yeah, just continued faith that, that God is at work in all of these situations um, and that those tiny little bits of action that we each take do kind of add up to have an impact. Um, Chris, how about you? I've had a similar experience when, you know, I was walking section of the, of the relay, just, yeah, some of the great conversations that you had with people, just seeing the little actions that tiny rural churches in the middle of Devon were trying to do um, to care for God's creation meeting some really inspiring older people who cared about this just as much as younger people. The other thing that struck me as well was just the kindness of strangers that you met mm. on the pilgrimage. I think I'm right in saying that we, throughout the whole thing, we didn't pay for a single night of accommodation. Total strangers just welcomed people into their homes. I, I stayed with someone called Janet <laughs> in Dunsford. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you hear all these bad stories on, on the news about how we, you know, we all live on our own. We don't think about others. But that was quite heartening, actually, to see that, that people are still willing to kind of show hus hospitality to people, um, to welcome people. And in, that's something that also resonates with, you know, the storyline of the Bible, isn't it? We see all sorts of examples of where total strangers were were welcomed into people's homes where Jesus turned up <laughs> in disguise on the road to Emmaus and, and walked into someone's home and then suddenly people, you know, saw him there. And there was something, I can't really explain it, but there was something very special about that. And I, I think that God was, was doing something quite exciting through that. <laughs> mm. 
I mean, hospitality is one of the spiritual gifts, but often it's like sometimes we can focus a lot on like prophecy or words of knowledge or like speaking in tongues as a spiritual gift. But like so is hospitality in so many different ways that God tries to bring us into wholeness of like what it means to live out as his people. So I'm sure, yeah, because it's like a spiritual gift, the Holy Spirit would have really been moving through that. And it's funny you mentioned Emmaus Road because that's what like what you guys are sharing reminded me of of like having conversations with people where your hearts burn, feeling like there's something deep or there's something of like the kingdom or something of Jesus that's really being spoken about. Yeah, like I um I joined for like a day in London for the walk and just the conversations I had as well and just meeting like some of yeah the people who are part of YCCN or older Christians as well. It's just like seeing other people really like live out their faith and be like this is something that I committed to for a lifetime after a pandemic where we've been in so much isolation but yeah it was just so enriching for my faith as well so before I ask you like what's next and where you guys are going because we're all intrigued all of your fans could you tell me like maybe like one of your favorite moments of doing the whole thing one of the funniest things about um doing this relay but also quite a, a cool thing was this um was this boat that we had this symbolic mm. boat so um the idea of this was to symbolise how how we are all in the same climate storm, but not in the same boat. So it affects us all, but some people it's going to um, affect more than others because you know might not have as much money to deal with the impacts, or um, because of you know various inequalities of some kind. Um, so that was quite a powerful kind of image. And we also got people to uh, sort of from around the world to um, stitch sort of pictures and things like that on the sails. And then this this boat moved, was transported up the country in different ways um, on a trailer or um, and things like that to different locations. But it was also quite funny trying to um, uh, transport this thing around. And uh, we had fun at the county show in Devon we had to lift it all up on our backs and we were transporting this around the uh, the showground and it almost blew over into the one of the stalls. <laughs> <laughs> we got all sorts of funny looks. Um, so it's been a source of a source of joy and, <laughs> and also much uh, many um, interesting stories as we tried to get this boat up from uh, Cornwall all the way up to Glasgow and I think it's going to be on permanent display now in uh, Reading Cathedral or something like that so it's finally found a home after the relay so you can go and see it if you want to (laughs) yeah leaving its legacy it feels like one of those things which is like an amazing emblem but also slightly a pain in the butt to like take around and to keep going with exactly Anna (laughs) what Chris didn't mention is that the base of the boat is a wicker coffin so can you imagine like these guys walking around with it on their shoulders at a county show probably looked a little bit funny (laughs) but um, (laughs) yeah good base for a boat but yeah tricky to move around and in Manchester it actually ended up being like a hearse from a funeral directors that moved it from one event to the other because we were like it didn't fit in a normal car and we were like well, a coffin's definitely going to fit in a hearse because that's what it's designed for. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a weird one. I know that it will have made a massive impact on every community that you went through and, like, the prayers that you guys have been praying, like, their incense in heaven, like, God doesn't... Yeah, he never forgets, like, what his children have done and what his disciples have done for him. And also, you know, this is just the start of it rather than the end, so... Because I'm... Well, I'm preempting it, but I'm guessing that you guys are continuing post-COP. Um, so, yeah, what are your plans? What's next for you? What's the vision? Okay, so on the 4th of December, we're all going to meet each other in person, which is very exciting <laughs> in London, um, or a lot of us will. Um, yeah, basically to to give thanks for all the good things that, that God has done throughout the relay, pray and to work out some ideas of what we're going to do next as the Young Christian Climate Network. Yeah, we, we're we not quite sure at the moment. One of the things that we do think we need to kind of focus on a bit is just uh, is building that kind of community. You know, we've done this crazy thing, um, organising this relay, and, you know, for this to be sustainable in the long term, we need to kind of work on building our relationships with each other and... Um, making sure that we are really realistic about what we can do, but also ambitious in you know try doing what we can to um, 
yeah, in the area of kind of climate justice. Part of what we, we really believe as YCCN is that community sustains action but action sustains community and so um yeah what kind of taking action is really important to us um and that really helps to to build that community um you know with people that were walking for days together but actually yeah kind of having a continued action as well will help us to to continue sustaining that and so as the relay was kind of I, Chris, you might agree that the idea sort of snowballed beyond what perhaps it initially was. And so it was kind of, <laughs> of a chaotic few months of um, just trying to pull it together um, for the core team that were doing that. So, yeah, I guess it's kind of letting the dust settle a bit um, and trying to form a bit of an infrastructure so that this community is something that will have some real longevity. Chris and I are both going to be um, on the committee for kind of 2022 um, for YCCN, whatever that holds. So, yeah, we're really excited about kind of what what the future holds, um, what kind of campaigns we might be doing. Um, and yeah, trying to get more and more young people around the country who um, want to take climate justice really seriously, plugged in um, in loads of different ways. Um, and yeah, keep going with what it is that um, yeah, God has blessed us with so far and that we know he's got loads more in store for us. Mm, sounds amazing. And yeah, that catchphrase is really good. Well, maybe not catchphrase, but yeah, that statement is, I think the pandemic's really taught all of us that we need community around us. Like Jesus had 12 disciples on purpose because that was where he was going to like launch everything from. So it's really cool that you guys, yeah, are grouping together and celebrating and praising God for what he has done. Because sometimes we can move so fast, we forget God's hand in like all of it. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's super exciting. So if someone is listening and they're thinking wow okay I want to do that in a couple of years or I want to do that now or like I want to be someone who chooses like a justice issue and gets involved what would your advice be to them if God's put that on your heart then then go for it but also make sure that you do that with other people um, and that you're also asking God for help and doing that as well because we we can't we can't do this on our own we need we need God with us and we need other people to help us too so but you know don't that don't let that stop you <laughs> yeah I think for me it would be just to start somewhere even if that's something really tiny and really small yeah we know that God takes those tiny little mustard seeds and grows them into um yeah into much bigger fruit and so yeah just taking that tiny little step of faith to to try something small um, and see what happens but yeah just to go for it really Amazing. Thank you. And then do you guys want to promote yourself, Instagram handles? How do people get connected? So yeah, you can um, follow YCCN on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, So it's YCC Network um, on both of those. And our website is um, yccn.uk. There's information on how to sign up to be part of the network on there as well. Awesome. Thank you. And then would one of you be what we like to do is just um, like praying for anyone listening that they would be able to like, yeah, have the courage, have the boldness to kind of step into the same things you guys would be doing, but also in yeah, what God's calling them to do. So would one of you mind just praying for anyone listening? Yeah, God, we thank you that you are um, a God of justice and righteousness um, and that you take our tiny little offerings um, and just multiply them beyond what we could ever imagine and so yeah we thank you for um for the relay to cop 26 and and all that it was and all that it will be um and yeah just pray for anyone who is listening who um feels like god might be putting something on their heart and um, something that's stirring within them whether that's a response to a social justice issue um or something totally different um yeah i just pray that um that that would just continue to be working in them um and yeah we pray for for courage to take that first step of faith um into whatever it is that you're calling each of us to do yeah god we just pray that you would be blessing those little actions or conversations or even just thoughts um and yeah we know that you have so much in store for each of us so just pray that um yeah you would just continue to lead us into each of those Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, both of you, it has been an absolute delight to meet you and hear about the vision, hear about where you're going. And yeah, thanks for taking that pilgrimage on behalf of the body of Christ and for being yeah, more people who are getting involved and really trying to change, yeah, change injustice and say that it's not okay. So thank you so much for all the ways that you've served Jesus, served the body, and yeah, you're still going on. 
Well, yeah, I really enjoyed that interview with Sarah and Chris. I think having been on the relay and then listening to them with the behind the scenes and how all of the strategy worked was just really interesting. And the fact that it was birthed the pandemic is just really incredible what they've managed to do with so many people. Like the fact they didn't pay for like a single night when they're on the pilgrimage is just, yeah, it's so cool. I just wanted to clear up two things just listening back to like what I was talking about. I talked about hospitality being a spiritual gift. It talks about it in 1 Peter that it is a gift and we shouldn't like neglect offering hospitality, but just wanted to clear that up that it isn't in the Romans or Corinthian spiritual giftings. And then second thing, I also mentioned from some research I'd done super briefly when I was at a different organisation, just about the tension between focusing on temperatures and reducing that, but then also wanting to hear people's stories. But I made a bit of an overgeneralisation that this was just what people were saying. So I think just wanted to to disclaim that that was from one conversation I'd had with a couple of young adults that was super interesting but it doesn't mean that that's what everyone is saying from the global majority or what everyone thinks because it's Caribbean campaigners that say 1.5 to stay alive so yeah there's many different slogans and ideas about how we should talk about it but yeah after those disclaimers Sandeep and Adam how did you find the interview? I love that accountability. Can I just say? Yeah, uh, go Anna. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought it was really good. I didn't realise that they had started during down and stuff. And I think that's it, like crazy to see how big and how much like impact they've already had in being around for what less than two years coming up in two years, I guess. So yeah, I think I think that really struck me at how quickly they've been able to galvanise that support. And maybe that speaks to there was a there was a real need for that and they just identified this kind of need and then were able to build it and there were lots of people willing to join and obviously there were lots of people willing to come out and and walk I think they said in the interview like something like they think around a thousand or more than a thousand people um came out to to walk with them on this on this relay so I think yeah obviously it's a it's a big thing and that there there was already this kind of um ready group of of young christians and some older christians as well to to come and campaign about this stuff yeah and i really like just the power of a pilgrimage for god and that's what they did wasn't it and i just think the statement of them actually doing something like walking they're walking what they're talking and i really like that with them and i think um the power that comes from getting together organizing something like that and then going out and doing it like practically for people to see you doing something is really powerful and that is the kind of stuff that impacts others to get involved and 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 draws you in to be like what is that that they're doing it made me think like when me and adam was in at cop 26 like it was the first time i'd practically been at anything like protesting and stuff like that and actually to be walking in the march there there was some even with that like some so powerful we've been with a group of people doing something to make a stand and and to do that like physically so i just love what they did and and the impact that they've they've done from it is it's just brilliant it's a really good statement of what walking the talk looks like i think mm. <laughs> they talked about how hard it was to for them to carry that boat that they they'd made this so it's like a i think they said in the interview it's like a wicker coffin and then it has sails and messages and things on it and they carried that like across or like they they transported that up the country and then they transported it around Glasgow and stuff. And it just made me think of our our banner as well, Sandeep, that we were we marched yeah. through mm-hmm. Glasgow and we marched with with it for one day. It was windy, it was very windy and very rainy. Yeah. But the the effort it took to march with that banner or to to um you know, keep that banner upright and getting uh volu- I mean, we didn't even carry it most of the way. <laughs> no. <Like> volunteers <laughs> ca- ca- carrying it most of the time for us with, with everybody's um take everybody that signed Take a Stand campaign's name on it you know that real experience that we have of of doing that makes me uh all the more appreciative of of how much effort it would have been to to um get that boat up the country yeah Yeah. i can't believe it survived the english weather like honestly like it's a miracle that they made it and and the boat made it in one piece and apparently now it's in reading somewhere so i have to go and go and find it and yeah i feel like yccm for me is just like such a good example of like if there's a gap like if there's a gap in the church a gap in the market with young people or you just know that a lot of people are passionate about things but they need like a chance to move like that's what they did so i don't know it's just really made me think instead of like complaining about the gap like how can we be the bridge how can we 
start that movement? How can we gather people together? Because YCCN did not know that that was going to happen. You know, they didn't know that they would get like funding from organizations and loads of churches involved. So, yeah. What is on the other side of our doubt? Ooh. I'm just in like, awe as well of of the amount of effort it must have taken to to like organize it and like he says they didn't pay for uh, accommodation so they had to go out and find those people and they had like region leaders and things like Sarah saying that she kind of helped in her region they were all passing it on like from what I understand they don't have like permanent staff members so it's mostly I think even entirely volunteers that are doing this that are doing it um, in their spare time to get all of that together and get like a thousand people to to do that walk is is pretty impressive I think. yeah they had one paid staff member and they they raised financially they had like an they had one evening where they basically had to raise like thousands of pounds and YCCN just got together and they invested it was insane the amount of like generosity amongst them so yeah it really has been led by young people yeah it's crazy the power of their generosity as well yeah, the power of their generosity. I've been really thinking about it as well. Like one of the ways that we can, like justice also comes from how are we using like our wealth and our money to change systems. So I think one thing like all companies, like there's banks that you can invest in that are supporting like fossil fuels. We should be doing that. In other ways, like how can we invest in like small grassroots organizations like YCCN or other places or also like Tier Fund's vision is to end poverty globally. We're doing some amazing campaigns. So cheekily you can always donate to us as well but that's all we have for now so check out our instagram at we are Fund. send us a dm if you have any questions you can leave us a voicemail people get confused about this because it's like a fax machine it's like old school but you can leave us a voicemail with the link in the description and we'd love to hear from you and we'll include your question in this podcast so it's a pretty good pretty good chance to speak back and let us know what you think maybe you thought our fruit juice choices were terrible that's okay you know and finally after that long spiel remember that you can sign up for our emerging influences program the deadline is sunday the 6th of february so make sure you don't miss out and see you soon for another podcast thank you adam and sandeep for joining thank you very much see ya bye